Welcome to the Fried Hartman Leadership Podcast from the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership, the podcast dedicated to developing and encouraging spiritual leaders for the kingdom. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 with your host, Josh Ketchum, here at Fried Hartman. And today I'm excited because I have Dr. Bruce McClarty here with us. Bruce, welcome. Thanks, Josh. Good to be with you, and I'm I'm excited about uh, what you're providing for leaders. Uh, Dr. McClarty is coming to us today through Zoom, so there may be a little delay at times, but I think our audio is doing well. And Dr. McClarty serves as our uh, minister-in-residence at Freed Harmon and also teaches uh, in the the Graduate School of Theology, and so we're so thankful to have him helping us out in those ways. And your experience and background, uh, Dr. McClarty, goes back to being a missionary, Uh, being a a minister and preacher in churches throughout uh, many states and also serving as a university president and then now serving here with us. So you bring a lot to this leadership aspect. Uh, Maybe I bring especially a lot to the subject of criticism. Uh, Are you saying you've had a little bit of criticism through the years that it it happens? (laughs) When, when, when uh, When I was a university president, one day I was out of the, the office and uh, a student walked into the <clears throat> into the president's suite of offices and the two assistants were there. And this student was just gushing about just being in the president's office and all. And she said, this is just so incredible. I bet you all never get criticism. And my my two co-workers, I think, just about rolled out in the floor. It's like that that is you know, you missed it more than you could have missed anything else. When you say about anybody in leadership, I bet you never get criticized. That leader does not exist. Amen to that. And and you introduce our topic well. So today on the Leadership Podcast, we're going to be thinking about criticism and how criticism is something that leaders are going to have. And, and why are we naturally resistant to that, do you think, Dr. McClarty? I think we feel threatened by it, and I think um, it puts us on our our heels. Uh, It makes us wonder, do you like anything about me? Uh, It it makes us insecure about what we're doing. Uh, There are just a a lot of reasons we don't, I think. When I was in uh, my senior year of high school, our church uh, had a personal development class that our preacher taught. And at the end of this, this is all pre-internet, pre-email and all that. But at the end of the class, um, we gave the names of 10 people that were trusted friends. And he sent an anonymous questionnaire to them about us. And so he then compiled all of it, gave it back to us and all. And I'll never forget reading that document when I got it back. And generally, my friends and family and the people that filled this out generally they were just really generous and uh kind and affirming and all of that but the one thing i got marked down on the most is does not handle criticism well and i will never forget my response being what do they mean i don't handle criticism well and so there was just immediate pushback and uh but i think that it's also a good reminder in time for me of there was a time that uh, I was stunned uh, that I would be criticized. I love God. I love these people. I was trying to do what's right. And 
criticism would come my way. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. And that's the very reason why when someone like you says, uh, I'm recording this podcast on leadership, what topic would you like? I always jump at the subject of criticism. So, so it's something that we, we have a trouble with receiving it because honestly in our hearts, we often don't believe we deserve it, right? I mean, we, we've, as, as ministers, as elders and deacons in the church, leaders in the church, we, we feel like we're putting our best into it. We're serving God's glory. This is a good thing. So why are people criticizing? Is that the attitude you think we often have? Oh, I think so. And I think it's just human nature that we uh, we judge ourselves based on our intentions. And even if I do something that turns out poorly, uh, I had good intentions about that. And we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt on that. We judge other people by the outcomes of their behaviors, not the intentions so much. And uh, as a result, uh, we, we're tougher on others than we are on ourselves. And we don't see ourselves as uh, as deserving of criticism. That's a great point. So we judge ourselves typically by our intentions because we give ourselves that grace. We knew what we were intending to do, what we wanted to do, but then we don't give others that benefit of the grace on their intentions typically, but we think about uh, their actions, what the results were. Yeah, I know, I know that my own heart, I meant this for good. How could you criticize me for something that I intended uh, for good. Uh, how you know, That seems harsh on your part, but the reality is we do the same thing. Uh, even if we're not harsh critics, uh, we judge others differently than we judge ourselves. Yeah, we tend to then know or believe that it was someone else's fault or we can blame others. Well, this is why it didn't go good. You just don't understand. And so uh, so we can be pushed push back to that criticism. So what type of criticism should we welcome and, ex- and expect then? Before we talk about how to handle it, uh, what should we expect? Instead of having a posture of not expecting it, how should leaders just go into the job, whatever that job is, expecting criticism? Great question. And I think the, the, the thing that I most want to say when I go into a college class and uh, guest lecture on something like criticism the, the thing I most want to say, first of all, or that I first want to say is this is inevitable. Uh, this is not, uh, it's not an attack on you personally, necessarily. It doesn't mean you have failed. That criticism does not come because we have failed at leadership. Criticism comes because we are leaders. All leaders will be criticized. Uh, I tell college students, If you organize a family picnic, you will be criticized. Anybody who steps out and puts themselves forward in leading other people, however pure your motives are, if you step out and do that, you will be criticized. So criticism doesn't mean I have failed, and it doesn't mean that nobody likes me. Uh, it's, It's just an inevitable part of leadership. So I think for a a new leader, and I think I got into ministry really without anybody ever um, opening my eyes to that reality. You know, you will be criticized. Let's talk about that. How do you handle it? Uh, What's, what's the good side of it? 
because one of the things that I, I always need to be humble enough that I'm listening to criticism, uh, looking for things that are, are blind spots for me, things that I didn't see, things that I didn't know, uh, something that I said that was offensive that I never intended that way, but it hit their ears that way. So one of the things in, in criticism, in dealing with criticism, is I just need to be open uh, to learning something new that I'm not seeing yet. An awful lot of our growth takes place in response to criticism. And sometimes it's not even criticism from the best people. Sometimes it's criticism from people who are knuckleheads. But they're in their criticism that may have been way too harsh or something, but maybe embedded in that is something that I needed to see and something that can make me better and can make me more Christ-like. And so being, uh, I think, uh, going into uh, ministry and thinking about the subject of criticism, I would say, first of all, don't be blown away by it. Uh, expect it. It's, go it's an inevitable part of being a leader. And if you're uh, in whatever capacity you are leading uh, in the home, in the church, uh, in a university, whatever it is, in whatever capacity you are leading, you will be criticized. Just know that that's coming. And so don't be stunned and blown away by it. And a second thing would be, and always be humble enough that you can learn from that criticism. This, this person, whether the criticism is fair or not, might be making you, helping you become a better person uh, simply by that. So, Dr. McClarty, if someone, why should we be afraid of not getting criticism? Your, your thoughts made me think, if someone doesn't ever criticize us, and we should actually be having that as a leader, then what might that say, and what dangers are inherent in them never telling us things? Yeah. Uh, people, people might avoid criticizing us for uh, as you're indicating, a lot of bad reasons. Um, if, if my anger keeps people from criticizing me, that's a terrible thing. Um, if my arrogance keeps people from criticizing me, that's a terrible thing. If I communicate that, that I am so um, insecure that if, if you criticize me, it, it will just crush me people won't criticize. Um, and we can do this, uh, we can maybe even do this without uh, realizing we are. If I talk about, publicly talk about uh, sometime in the past when I was criticized and I stayed in bed for three weeks, you know, it's it, it was something that was said to me that just ruined my year or whatever. Um, I think, it, I think we, there are a lot of ways that we can set ourselves up not to be criticized. I think the best way is when we communicate that um, if, if, I, if I offend you, you do me a favor by letting me know that. Um, you give our relationship a greater chance by letting me know that. You will help us to deepen our relationship by letting me know that. Nobody likes to be criticized, but we all need it at times. And it's something that we can, uh, we can evaluate ourselves, stepping back and saying, okay, if nobody ever corrects me about anything, 
am I communicating something or how am I communicating something that says I'm off limits? And if you criticize me, I'm going to blow up. Or if you criticize me, I'm going to publicly embarrass you. Um, but instead saying we're, we're all people with feet of clay and we all at times, um, you know, need to be criticized. I think in preaching, uh, one of the things that preachers ought not do is make themselves the hero of their stories. And I think, uh, I think our best, our best personal stories as preachers are times when I didn't get it right. Um, I, uh, I said something, I did something maybe with the best of intentions and yet somebody was hurt in that and somebody helped me see, uh, beyond what I had done. So I think there are, uh, there are things that we can do that shut down criticism that are unhealthy as can be. Um, I think, uh, I think somebody in a, you mentioned that for 25 years, I was a full-time preacher. And I think in preaching ministry that we can uh, set ourselves up never to be criticized. And that's a bad thing for the church. And it's a bad thing for me. But if we are, if we are humble, if we are open, if we are uh, transparent, I think, I think people can lovingly uh, criticize us. Great thoughts. And, you know, it reminds me of the idea that we have to intend and be intentional about creating opportunities for people to speak into our lives. I hear some people say sometimes that, well, I was just shocked by this, you know, this big event that happened. I was just shocked. I had no idea uh, because we never had communicated about this. Maybe if someone gets fired, all of a sudden they're like, well, you know, I worked there for X number of years and I had no idea. Well, the problem was there was an intentional feedback being given through those years to provide corrective measures so that we could be on the same page but then at some point they're just ready to, to totally, you know, change a direction without that opportunity to change. So really criticism gives us an opportunity for growth. And if we're not having it, we're not growing, which is a danger. So, so Dr. Absolutely. Dr. McClarty in this, um, you, you've spoken about this. So what, um, how would you then suggest if we should welcome it, we should be open to it. But then what about when it just hurts us in our heart? We got it. We, we feel unjust in it. Uh, we feel like we were mistreated maybe with some of this criticism. How should we handle that personally when we receive harsh criticism? Or we judge it to be harsh criticism. The first thing I'd like to say is that you set this question up really well because uh, it's not a question of is this ever going to happen? This will happen. Uh, and we will receive uh, harsh criticism at times. One of the things that I've that I learned in the course of, of ministry is that there are times that I can handle criticism really, really well. And there are times that I don't handle it well at all. And if I am rested and if I have uh, been faithful in prayer, and if, uh, if I'm in the word, if my mind is in the things of God, I can handle a pretty tough hit. Uh, you, can, you can level a big criticism at me. If I'm exhausted, if it's been too long since I've had a day off, if I haven't gotten enough sleep, if 
I'm not praying regularly, um, if, if I'm just worn down, it takes the tiniest little criticism to just rip my heart out. So I think part of um, the, the whole cycle and everything of, of criticism is uh, to look at ourselves and to, to, to ask, um, what, what might this reflect about me? I've, uh, I've often thought of this as it relates to the thermostat at church. That is a little, little thing. And if I'm in good, if I am in good shape, then I can get 10 comments at church about what's the deal with the thermostat. And it just, it's water off a duck's back. But if I'm exhausted, spiritually and emotionally exhausted, and somebody comes up and says, what's the deal with the thermostat? And I find myself wanting to shake them then I realize, okay, this is, this is about Bruce. This really isn't about thermostats. This is about Bruce. And, and I need to, um, and I need to address, I need, <clears throat> excuse me, I need to address that, uh, that first. The uh, criticism is something that uh, it, it's, it's a double-sided um, matter. It's, it's something that can tear us down it's something that can actually build us up if we if we listen, if the relationship is uh, restored or is enhanced in some way. We can come out of it better than we ever went into it. So, are there times when you should receive the criticism, meditate upon it, think about it, think about how you're receiving it, and then dismiss it, or should you take parts of it? Can you know, should you pray through it? What, how should you deal with this if you've got to deal with this over a few days and then you maybe have to respond back to the person? Um, yeah, what, what advice would you give us on that? I, I don't think we can be, uh, first, first of all, we cannot be open to all criticism that we accept on face value as you're right. Somebody says, Bruce, um, you, um, you are uncaring or you are unprepared. And, you know, I think I need to, to, I think I need to ask that question. Are they in any way right in this? But I can't leave myself open to every criticism of every person at the same level. There are people in my inner circle, uh, in, in working with a church it would be my elders. In the marriage, it would be my wife. Uh, there are people in the inner circle that I need to be listening to at a very, very deep level. And I need to be very ready um, to, to accept what they're saying, maybe to wrestle with it a bit, but to accept generally what they're saying. Um, that's not like the uh, the person from the local cable company who knocks on my door to fix my Wi-Fi and and levels a criticism at me. Well, I don't know that person. I, I don't hear it in the same way. I don't think I'm supposed to hear it in the same way. But I think there are levels of people, uh, the people in our family, the people in church leadership, uh, just godly people in the church that have, through years and relationship, have demonstrated 
that they have their hearts on the things of God. They are to be trusted. They're loving people. They're not trying to find some angle um, for, to benefit themselves, even if it hurts me. Uh, these are people that I that I need to be I need to be listening to, and that I need to trust. Um, having said that, it doesn't mean that what they um, what they have said I have to buy and say because he I'm like uh, I have no idea maybe where that came from what in his background caused him to say something uh, that hurtful to me so in uh, but I think you've also sort of uh, um, directed us to where we um, to where we need to go with this and that is it needs to be resolved uh, and we're not the best at that. There was a point in my life in my mid-20s when I realized that I was a great peacekeeper. Um, I didn't I didn't bring a lot of drama with me. I didn't start a lot of arguments. I was a great peacekeeper, but I was not a great peacemaker. And I was reluctant to engage conflict and criticism. And I ran from it. That would be the, the simple way of saying it. And one of the things I realized in my mid-20s is for me to grow in leadership, I've got to get over being afraid of the tough conversation. Or I've got to, I've got to get over being afraid of engaging the, uh, the conflict and the criticism that is out there. So instead of just making nice and, and acting like it never happened, Instead, I think leadership plunges into it and says, Bob, you said something the other day. Uh, it really knocked me back on my heels, and I wanted, I wanted us to, to work through this. What were, you, what were you intending, or what did I do to, to bring this about? And then we try to resolve this thing. That's the opposite of being defensive. It's the opposite of shutting people down. But instead, it is going to people it's, it's much more biblical. Uh, there, there's a conflict. We go to the person, we sit down, and we seek to resolve it. And it may be, and I've had occasions before where uh, I've brought someone else in for my sake into a conflict or criticism situation, and sometimes I've brought someone else in for the other person's sake um, so that that we can, uh, in in the presence of trusted spiritual leaders, we can work through this. But instead of instead of just trying to avoid conflict, instead engage the conflict, the criticism, and uh, out of that comes good things. That's good. Those are good thoughts there. When you think about that concept, when you avoid criticism or you don't allow others to speak into you and, and give you criticism, you're really missing an opportunity to learn about yourself, but you you pointed out there that you're missing an opportunity to learn about the other person and why they said that, what was in their background. And so sometimes it's, you're just the the camel that broke the straw's back, uh, or the, I got the, the straw that broke the camel's back. You're just the one who <laughs> prompted it to come out uh, and, and brought that out, aren't you? And so really, it may, sometimes they're getting upset at you but it may not be you personally as much as it is what you represent or what you brought out in them. Um, and so 
so this is an opportunity to learn. Uh, so when you think about reconciliation, trying to go to them and work that out, um, what, what, what can come out of receiving criticism well, and what kind of is the end goal for everybody involved? I think the end goal is the reconciliation of the relationship in a godly manner. And uh, there, there are tremendously wonderful things that come out of that. There are, um, <clears throat> there are people in my life and there are people I've known who told me about other relationships in their lives <clears throat> who have an incredibly deep relationship with somebody because they went through the conflict uh, process. They, they, they thrashed it out. They, they sat down over lunch and were just frank with each other. And most of the cases that I know of that, the people did not end up on exactly the same page. It wasn't a matter where when it was all over, you said, uh, well, it was just nothing but a misunderstanding. Oftentimes it's more than a misunderstanding. Sometimes that's all it is, but sometimes it's more than a misunderstanding. Sometimes it's a very different perspective on something, but by, by plunging into it, we have a chance to um, we have an, a chance to ask that next question, or make that next point of clarification. Um, that it's it's not like it, this is just something that what was said is chiseled in stone, and so we live the rest of our lives with that. But if you've accused me of something, it may have been that I didn't exactly express what I meant to express. I have a chance to to clear that up. So. I think that sometimes we can, we can find our way through a misunderstanding, but sometimes we find that we really are on different pages, but at the bottom of, you know, the underneath it all, there is a, a level of, um, a level of unity that we both love the Lord. We both love each other. We are both seeking to be honest people. We don't either one mean to hurt the other. Now, we still may be opposites on some matter, um, but I think we have we have given that relationship a great opportunity to go forward uh, in a positive way. Very, very good thoughts there. So when we when we think about what 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 all you said and, and the, the thoughts that we have, do you have any closing kind of wrap up thoughts that you want to share about criticism and how? Uh, this might be impactful to elders and deacons who are dealing with criticism? Um, I think we could probably talk all day about this, but one thing I would say is that criticism, one of the things it does to us oftentimes is it's almost like an anonymous letter. It's not. That's maybe one form of criticism that's an awful thing, but it's kind of like an anonymous letter. Somebody criticizes us for something and we wonder how many other people think this, uh, how many, you know, the, the whole world thinks this. Um, I remember there was a, there's a book called building stronger families and the writer was telling about, uh, a season in his life where he was going around lecturing on the things that he wrote, put in the book. And one night he had been to a church and, uh, at the back door, he received some criticism and he gets home. And his wife said, well, how did it go? And he said, they hated it. Really? And so she 
sort of helps him debrief this whole thing. And she said, well, what happened? What was the criticism? Who said it? How many said it? And all that. And when she sort of talked him down off the ledge, they realized there were like 12 people that just gushed about how wonderful it was. There was one person that said something negative. And what he took home was they all hated it. And I think in leadership, we can easily get into that cycle. And sometimes the, maybe one of the best things that could be done, like, for instance, in an elders meeting, when the elders feel under siege about something that they've been criticized about, is to sit back and say, so how many criticized us? Has anybody heard any positive comments this week? And when we stop and we take a deep breath and we think about that, almost all the time, we've received a lot more affirmation than we have criticism. But we give it, we give it a weight that is way out of proportion to what it should receive. And so criticism can, can just drink our spirit. And I think, uh, I think we know, I think we need to remind each other, uh, in a group like an elders, uh, meeting, we need to remind each other not to fear criticism. We need to remind each other that we can learn things from criticism that like in any problem, there is an opportunity inside this problem. And if we approach every problem that way, we'd be better off. Somewhere in this problem, there is an opportunity for growth, for me, for this church, and, and for all of that. And then for, uh, for as a group of, of leaders to, again, take a deep breath and remember the, criti the critical voices are not, um, are not the overwhelming majority. Uh, it feels like it but it's not. And sometimes we need other people in the room to help remind us of that. Yes, sir. If, if we're not careful, if we give in in our own lives or in a leadership, eldership or corporate setting, if we give in to the critic, we really allow them to capture the lead of the group. And, and we, right. we refuse to lead and we're allowing them to lead. And often that's a very vocal minority. And sometimes it's just one or two. That, that we allow the church or group to be held captive by. And, but I'm, you know, we both come from a preaching background and are involved in preaching, and we can. We can hear, I can see that same situation. We can hear all the good comments, but then we hear that one comment that say, well, you got this wrong or you, you were not understood in this situation, and we allow that to just play over and over in our mind, reali not realizing that that's only one. <coughs> early, in, early, in, uh, early in ministry, um, I was at a congregation and a nearby congregation had a preacher who had a bulletin where he liked to throw rocks at people and uh, wrote a, wrote an article about us. I mean, it was really nothing doctrinal or whatever, wrote an article just being very critical. And I remember after a week or so realizing the greatest threat is not the criticism that was thrown our way. The greatest threat is that we'll let that criticism shape who we are and that we'll feel superior or we'll be angry all the time or whatever. And so my concern is not what he said. It's what we let what he said do to us. And I think that's a, a message for all leaders. We need to allow the criticism to 
come into our hearts, think about it, allow it to be filtered through Scripture, through those close to us, but then we also need to not allow it to define us and totally shape who we are. God has that superior voice in our heart. God has that superior uh, vision for our life that we need to yield to and that we need to and not allow the critic to, to, to hold us back. And so, so great thoughts. Um, we appreciate your work. We appreciate you coming here today and challenging us with these thoughts. And I know all the leaders out there listening are challenged by these things because we all deal with it on a personal level. And so we appreciate you sharing your, your feedback, your personal experiences, and giving us this great content. We appreciate all the listeners out there, and we encourage you to continue to listen to the FHU Leadership Podcast. And if we can be of service to you at the a Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership, then please reach out and contact us and visit our website, which is www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Until next time, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fried Harmon Leadership Podcast. For more great content and to see the services the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership offers your local congregation, please visit www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Until next time, remember, God uses ordinary people to lead His people into extraordinary feats.